we have Brother Terry in the back interpreting. So let's see how good you are in keeping your focus. Because you know how we are in church. Any, any little, you know, kind of talking or noise we hear it gets us distracted. Brother Terry is operating in the back. Amen. And so he's in the back translating to um, Brother Mendez, uh, letting him hear what we're saying here. So I love that. I told you when I went to their church, um, when I went to preach there, I was the only English-speaking guy, so to speak. And so I, I kind of like, you know, you see how the roles reverse? You know, God is good, and I enjoy just being together and all the different things that God does. Genesis chapter 37, verse number 3. I will read from verse 3 to 8. I'm going to be all over Genesis, um, just going jumping around. The scripture will be um, on the projector so you can jump around with me, but it's very vital that I, I've pulled out some very important portion of the scripture in, in, this, in this story that we will talk about this morning, just to you know, get our attention and get the message I believe the Lord wants us to have. Genesis chapter 37, verse number 3 says this, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of the old age, of his whole age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceable unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream and, and told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the land, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shall thou indeed reign over us? That word obeisance, that means they bow down. They bow down. So his, their sheaves bowed to his sheaf. And so indeed reign over us, or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? So when he told the dream, they got a little attitude and says, so you're trying to say you're better than us. You're trying to say you're going to rule over us. You're trying to say you're more special than us. That's kind of what they're saying. And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Jump down to verse number 24, same Genesis 37. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread and lifted up their eyes and looked. So they had the dude in a pit and went and ate. Your brother. You hate him, you threw him in a pit, and you were comfortable enough right after that to sit down and break bread and eat while your brother was in the pit. But anyway, let's keep going. And looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, bearing spicery and balm and mirth, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah, this is the fourth brother, Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it? If we slay our brother and conceal his blood. Question. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him. For he is, he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Then 
there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. I have entitled our message today, God's Attitude Towards You. God's attitude towards you. You may be seated. I'm not sure if you know and understand how God feels about you. Many have misunderstood how God feels about them. Some thinks God loved them so much that it doesn't matter what they do. God will accept them just the way they are. They can live any way they choose, and God is just fine with it because he is a loving God. And guess what? He forgives. So I can just live the way that I want as long as I recognize and acknowledge God as being God. I can live however I want. He's good. He's loving. He's forgiven. I can just live the way that I want. Others think God is this serious judge who sits on his throne and judge all their ungodly actions with strong repercussions. They see him as being ticked off, angry, unapproachable, just waiting to send them to hell as soon as they mess up. None of these are true. Our way of seeing God, our understanding of how God feel about us is distorted. Sin distort your view. Sin get in the way of your understanding. And many times we think we have understanding. Many times we think we know. But when sin is present in our life, we don't have clear knowledge. We don't have clear understanding. We are distorted in the way we see things. The way how we see God oftentimes is distorted. The way how we think God feels about us oftentimes is distorted. But we're going to travel today through the story of Joseph and we're going to get an understanding of how God feels about us. God's attitude towards us. The story of Joseph gives us an understanding as to God's attitude towards us. Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. He is not Jesus Christ, obviously, but he represents the way Christ would be when he came to the world. There's a few stories in the Bible that, 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 and I don't like to call them stories. I, I better say occurrences because they're real. They're not stories. They're, they're, they're not something that didn't happen. They actually happened. And so there are a few occurrences in the Bible that points out uh, the, 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 the type of Christ before Christ actually came. And so Joseph was a type of Christ. He was not Jesus Christ. But if you study Joseph's life out, you will see, like for instance, we just read, and it said that they sold him for how many pieces of silver? How many pieces of silver did Christ get betrayed for? Thirty. So you see the similarity. His brothers betrayed him for some silver. Judas betrayed Christ 
for some silver. You, you see already out the gate there's some similarity. So that's why we're going to draw that comparison this morning to understand that, that, that Joseph is a type of Christ. Joseph was rejected, thrown in a pit, as we've read, left for dead, and eventually sold into slavery by his own brothers. Yet, he had a good attitude towards them. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, he came unto his own, but his own received him not. His own betrayed him. Mm-hmm. In Genesis chapter 42, verse number 1, the scripture says, Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look on, look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brothers. For he said, lest preadventure mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel, remember Israel and Jacob, same person. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came. Listen to this. For the famine was in the land of Canaan. The question I want to ask you this morning is, why did Jacob's sons went to Egypt? They went to Egypt to buy corn. They went to Egypt to get corn because there was a famine in the land where they were and they needed food. If they didn't get food, they were going to die. So the famine is what drove them to Egypt. Can I tell you this morning that some of us may need a famine in our life because when there is plenty in your life, you never go and do the will of God. When you have what you need, you stay right where you are. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God wants to put a famine in your life so he can get you to where he needs to get you to. He's been telling you you need to move from where you are. He's been telling you to come unto me. He's been telling you you need to go where he wants you to, but you have stayed stuck in the middle, and God is trying to call you to a place to do something mighty and powerful in your life, but you have stayed where you are. Maybe he has to let a famine, a time of need, a time of desperation, a time where if you don't move, you will die. If you don't move, you will never make it. If you don't move, all the blessings of God will not come to pass some of us need a famine we need something that will move us and God knows what it is remember I've told you many times I'd rather figure it out and just be obedient to God than be disobedient than, 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 than just do what I want being stubborn because when God get good and ready he will send a famine and when that famine come it's going to cause me some headache it's going to cause me some problems it's going to cause me to do some things I really never wanted to do and so I want to just go ahead and do what God wants and not make him have to cause a famine to come into my life. 
Many people come to church because there's a famine in their life. And you probably thought the devil did it. You come to church because some stuff is going on. And you say, let me go to church because the devil is on my back. Mm, I got to tell you this morning, it might not be the devil. It might just be uh, how God feels about you. Uh, it might just be God is saying, uh, I got to do something to get this child going. Uh, I got to do something to move this brother. And he moved on you uh, where something begins to happen. Things begin to happen in your life uh, where you become desperate uh, and in need of God. Uh, and God uh, is only doing it because uh, of what he feels about you. And he's trying to draw you. It's easy to blame the devil and to blame people for things that are going on in our life. You, you need to really understand that some of the things that we may consider as bad, it might just be something God is allowing to happen. It might just be something God is saying is coming from me. It's not coming from the devil. It's not coming from people. But I gotta get you moving. I gotta get you going. And so I gave you a famine in your life. The days of plenty don't get us going. Uh, this is a, this, it's a reason why there's more miracles in, on foreign soil than it is uh, in America. In America, we're fat. In America, we got all we need. In America, we got everything. We don't need nothing. And guess what we do? We don't even need God. But in a foreign country, when you don't know where your next meal is coming from, when you don't know where you're going to sleep, when you don't know your situation for next week, guess what? You're going to have to trust Jesus. You're going to have to call on Jesus. But as long as you have what you need, you don't need to call on Jesus. You just do what you want. Yeah. You got to know what's God's attitudes towards you. We get so twisted because of our distorted view on God that we think when bad things are happening, this can't be God. Oh, help me somebody. They went down to Egypt because there was a famine. Can you imagine? In Genesis chapter 42, say we go down to verse number 6, the word of the Lord said, and Joseph was the governor. You watching all of this? They hate their brother. They sold him. All of a sudden now there's a famine. And guess what? Their brother is the governor over all the food of the country. Ah. Oh. I'm going to take my time with that. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he was, and it, and it, and and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. You remember that? You don't remember that? Remember when we started reading sheaves? They said, "Here, who you think you are? You're stood up like this." And we just bowed and fell down. Who you think you are? Well, there you go. Remember, we keep talking about our responsibility is to do what we're supposed to do. But the plan is God's responsibility. We have to leave the plan alone and just follow the instruction that God gives us. 
I'm here to tell somebody in, in here this morning, huh, you don't understand what God has called you to the kingdom for. Huh. I got to tell you, you better get this this morning. You think you're just in church because it's the right thing to do. You you think you're in church because uh, you, you want to live right. You think you're in church because one day you want to go to heaven and all of those things may be okay, but I need to tell you what the Holy Ghost wants you to know. I need to tell you what God wants you to know. There's so many Jacobs in this room today. God chose you out of your family. I can't tell you why he chose you. I can't explain why it was you. I don't have the answer, but I can tell you you're like Joseph in your family. God has called you out. God has separated you and God has sent you on a journey. He has called you and said, come on, I got to send you somewhere. And you might be here today and not even realizing that you have been chosen by God. But I'm here to tell you, you have been chosen by God. You've been called by God to go and represent a family that need representation. Your family needs somebody to represent them. Your family needs somebody that God can use to reach them. Uh, you got to hear me this morning, somebody. God needs one of you to stand and says, all right, God, I'm just going to obey. I'm just going to trust you. I don't have to understand the plan. I don't have to understand the direction. I will trust you. I will obey you because you have called me out of my family. Joseph. Joseph could be a man or a woman. Don't even let the, the gender thing mess with you right now. You can be a woman and be Joseph this morning. You can be a man and be Joseph this morning. But I just want you to know that you have been called by God to be Joseph. God not just saving you just to save you. He is calling you because you're going to help to preserve them. Understand this, if, if Joseph didn't get sold into slavery, if Joseph didn't end up in Egypt, how was his family going to be saved? I know it seems like too much of a responsibility, but it's not really your responsibility. It's God's responsibility. It's just God using you. So don't get afraid. Don't get, don't get so caught up on thinking you're important or special. Just understand God has a plan and your part in the plan is to be Joseph, to go before and to be the one that will help the family be preserved, to be the one that will help the family be saved. I feel I feel strongly about our congregation, Christ Center Church. I am not belittling any other local assembly. I would never do that because we're all one body, we're family. But I do know that God called and established different ministries for different things. They're all for the purpose of God. But he established ministries for different things. And I can't tell you, I can only go by what I know. And because you're in this church, listen to me carefully. Don't you run. Don't you become fearful. But because you're in this church, you've been called to be Joseph. 
I know it's only five of you, but what I know about God, this is what I know about God, Bob. Whenever he calls a man to go and go do something for him, it's because there's something in that man that he wants to use. And that man, uh, 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 character and personality and his life will mirror what he wants from those people. That's what he wants. And my life has been that kind of life. Go ahead and go prepare the way. Go ahead and go do that. So I'm telling you this morning, for you that are in this church, I'm telling you, your life is God saying, I want you. You, you are the one chosen to prepare the way for your family. You are the one chosen to show forth the way to say, I got it and I will obey God that my family can be preserved. You don't have the capability to let it all work, but God will work through you. You don't have to worry about it. All you got to do is stay connected to Him. That's it. You Joseph. You Joseph. You're gonna pre- you're gonna preserve a, a group of people. You're gonna preserve a family. You're gonna preserve because God chose you to go. And so, I'll go as far as say this. In this congregation, you're going to get challenged in the preaching of the word. Not challenged by me, but challenged by the word of God. Go look at Joseph's life. Don't you get soft when you're being challenged by the word of God. Don't you, don't, don't, don't you put your tail between your leg when you get challenged by the word of God. Because when you are called to be Joseph, go look at Joseph's life. First thing is he was hated by people that were supposed to love him. So, so, so don't you get all broken up and worried. He was hated by people that were supposed to love him. So if that's happening to you, just relax. You've been called to be Joseph. Just relax. Don't get all worked up and like, I can't believe it happened to Joseph. So it's, it's happening to you. Then they're going to betray you. They're going to, they're going to betray you. You're going to like, oh, all the things I did for them. Leave it alone. Here you go getting your head into the problem. And I'm telling you, it's, it's God's business. Your business is, God, what do you want from me? That's all your business is. God, what do you want from me? Stop worrying about what everybody else did. And so, they will betray you. And you'll wonder, how in the world? And I didn't do anything to anybody. You're Joseph. Uh-huh. 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 You're going to have to endure some things so you can help save some people. Listen to me. Did Jesus have to... What did he go through so he could be the savior of the world? He went through everything. He created us. His own that he created. They turned their backs on him, betrayed him, and he only came was to save them. You're Joseph. You're Joseph. So people are going to betray you, turn their backs on you, but you are supposed to be used to help save them. Ah. Help us, Jesus. And Joseph saw his brethren, verse 7, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them, and he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. 
Here we go. We're getting some Jesus stuff again. Watch it. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Just like so many of us today. Jesus know us and recognize us, but we don't seem to know and recognize Jesus. Jesus want us to be close to him, but we don't seem to want to be close to Jesus. And verse number nine says, then Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamt of them and said unto them, ye are spies. To see the nakedness of the land you are come. And they said unto him, Nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servant come. We are all, listen to this, verse number 11. We are all one man's son. Listen to this. We are true men. Oh, I'm coming home to you now. We are true men. Thy servant are no spies. These brothers, look at them, making themselves to be righteous. After all they did to their brother, here they go, we're true men. Listen to me. When you know you've done some stuff, don't go around acting like you ain't never did nothing. When you know you've Done some dirty things. Don't go around acting like you didn't do some dirty things. You know what's kind of funny too? All of us do some dirty things. That was just not good. And the quicker you understand what you think is not low down, is low down. The quicker you understand that, the better off you'll be. Because here's what we do. Well, I know I did that, but it wasn't that lowdown, because I know what she did, and her lowdown stuff was dirty. And that alone makes you think that what you did wasn't lowdown. Because you know somebody that did something lowdown than you, more lowdown than you, worse than you. Just understand, in God's eye, when you do dirt, is dirt. We all have done some dirty things. And we can't act like we never did no dirty things. We have to own that dirty thing that we've done. And we can't go around acting like we're all good. Listen to this. God wanted to deliver Joseph's brothers through Joseph. Because he cannot, listen to this, God cannot accept them as they are. On the outside, they all look well. But within, they were vain. They were self-righteous. They didn't think anything was wrong with them. While deep down within, they knew what they did to their brother. Mm-hmm. 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 We got to be careful in our self-righteousness. We got to be careful in how we try to forget everything that we've done wrong. There's a difference between forgiveness and forgetfulness. There's a difference. And while you can be forgiven, don't mean you're going to forget. The Apostle Paul, no, 
the prophet David, king and prophet David, when David messed up, you know what David said? Last portion of Psalm 51. He says, and when he's converted, he want to teach others not to do what he has done. I'm just paraphrasing it for you. And if you ever want to know where you are and what you've done wrong, just look and see if you're trying to go about doing the opposite and making a good impact from things you used to do. Are you now living your life as an example to be sure you don't do that anymore and you help others not to do what you have done? That's how you know where you are in your dirt that you've done. But if you have done dirt and you're still not dealing with it or not helping somebody with it, then something is not straight about the dirt yet. You got to get that worked out. Yeah, you got to get it worked out. When Joseph brothers threw him in the pit and then took him out and sold him, understand this. There was, they never talked about God again. They just kept on living their life. God is not going to let you come to him and stay just the way you are. We come to God and we just want to say, God, you say come as you are. You know how we, we, we start quoting some, misquoting stuff. Well, the Bible says come as you are. So you come and you say, well, if God want me to come as I am, what do I need to change for? No, no, he said you come as you are so he can do something in your life. You got to come with some expectation. What do you think, what kind of God do you think we serve? That you're going to come and there's just nothing? Why would you come anyway? Why does he want you to come to church? Why does he want you to call on him for nothing? Or is it because he has something in store? Or is it because he wants to give something to you? Or is it because he wants to do something in your life? Why is he telling you to come? (laughs) God wants you to confess to him all your wrong. The shallow wrong, the deep wrong, and the in-between wrong. Here is the story. Why does God want me to confess? God want me to confess, Brother Bob, because he can't forgive me. He can't. You know how we say God can do all things? Not really true. We're, we're, I know what you mean when you say God can do all things. But if you really break it down to a fine powder, God cannot do all things. Because God can't lie. God can't be unrighteous. And God can't forgive you of unconfess. He can't. So if you want to know how, if God is limited, yes. In that sense. He cannot forgive you of anything you have not confessed to him. So why are you saying God knows your heart? God is saying, I do. And that's why I brought you to the church. That's why I brought you into the congregation. But I need for you to open your mouth and say what you have done. God is a psychologist here. He knows why he's telling you that. And I'm sure if you want to go to normal psychologists, they'll go, and, they'll go deep with that and tell you why you got to speak of that. They'll tell you. But I'm not here for that. Because I know our psychologist, Jesus, I just know he's just 
un, unflappable. He's he's all powerful. He knows everything. So if he says, I just need you to come and con- just just come and confess, don't even worry about why you gotta confess. He knows my heart. Now you're messing with the plan. Remember? Don't mess with the plan. Just do your part. Don't mess with the plan. Just do your part. So 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 he's saying, if you don't confess it, he can't remove it. Uh-huh. Proverbs 28, verse 14 says this. Just to back up that word. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. God says, when you come, the word is so good, I'm almost done. But I just, just something that just connect me. And so, when we go to court, you know, I tell you all the time, we go to court. If you ever, if, if, if someone is getting ready to get sentenced, because that's usually how I go, they're getting ready to get sentenced, something get ready to go, go on, and I go to court to speak on their behalf. And when I go to speak on their behalf, I learned over the years that I cannot stand before the judge and say, Mr. Sharp has been a great man. He takes care of his family. He does this, he does that. I can't stand before the judge and say that because the judge has a rap sheet in front of him about Mr. Sharp. So if I try to go and talk about how good Mr. Sharp is, it's just going to make the judge angry. Because the judge had the rap sheet. Y'all following this? The judge. And he ain't righteous. You, you still following me? So the ultimate judge of all judge, he's, he's got your rap sheet. He's got, he's got your rap sheet right in front of him. He knows everything about you. So to go before him and act like you're a good man, you're foolish. To go before him and act like you're a good woman, you're foolish. But if you go before him and confess your wrong, so when I go before the natural judge here, what I normally say to your honor, your honor, Mr. Sharp has been a good guy in his early age, and somewhere he got off the beaten path and got into some things, you know, as you can see from the record, got into some things that were not good and, you know, um, you know, we've been working with him recently and we're trying to help him to get back on the right track. And so, Judge, I know there's some things there that is on that record that is really not good and, and, and makes him seem like a monster. But, Judge, I'm asking you to have mercy. Y'all don't even realize how the, the, the things of this world is so biblical and they don't even realize it. We, we ask the judge to have mercy. Guess what? Let's go to Jesus first and say, Jesus, I've done wrong. Let's go to Jesus first and say, Jesus, uh, my life uh, has not been what you wanted it to be. Uh, but will you have mercy on me, Jesus? That's how we go before the great judge, the righteous judge. Will you have mercy? Without confession of sins, there can be no forgiveness. Without confession of sins, uh, there can be no mercy. Without confession of of sin, you cannot be delivered. God's got an attitude about you. Before God can raise you up, He has to bring you low. 
A lot of people misunderstand when they're going through and they come to church. And they realize, man, I need to change in my life. Things are just not working right. And they come to church. They immediately, maybe because they came to a service and the power of God moved, they immediately feel like, wow, you know, I feel like, you know, God is helping me. Newsflash. It might feel good, but you're getting ready to go low. It might feel good when you're coming here, but you're getting ready to go low if you expect for God to raise you up. You can't go up unless you go down. Down is up. With God, this is why God says his stuff is foolishness to this world. Because what he's saying is you want to go up, you got to go down to go up. In in this life, we say, you want to go up, step on everybody you can so you can get on up. But in God's world, he says, you better go low. You better go on your knees. You better go on your face. And you better seek me. And when you go down, that's the quickest way up in Christ. God has an attitude towards you. He will not leave you the way you are. Just like he didn't leave Joseph brothers the way they were. Think about it. Joseph was a young boy when they threw him in a pit and then sold him. And by the time they caught up with Joseph in Egypt, Joseph was a grown man. His own family. So that's a lot of years that went by that, that, that they, they weren't in touch with their brothers, but they were walking around with this thing that they did that they never confessed it. They never told their dad. They never told anybody else. They had this thing bottled up inside of them. No matter what good time they have, every once in a while they walk away and feel bad. They feel the guilt and the shame of what they did to their little brother. It was in them for years. It haunted them. And many of us have some things within our heart that's haunting us. We can't shake it. We can't get rid of it. And no matter what kind of good time we experience, here comes that thought again about that thing that you did that was so wrong. You better be real with yourself this morning. God brought you here because God wants to help you. God wants you to know and understand his attitude towards you. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in this world, and received up into glory. Now, as we know, this is probably one of the best scriptures that you can ever teach that God is one. When people come up with this Trinity stuff and all that stuff, you're saying, okay, explain the Trinity in that. Explain God being multiple. It says, without controversy, without debate, great is the mystery of godliness. God, it started with God, was manifest in the flesh. Why it says God was manifest in the flesh? Because the Bible says God is the spirit. So in order for God to manifest in the flesh, he had to make himself be seen. So what he's saying is, I was not seen for many years, but then one day I made myself seen. And the only way you can see me is... In flesh and 
as a human, and so I'm going to become a human. As a matter of fact, God thought about being a human before he created you. Before Adam and Eve was created, he already knew he would be a human. So he was creating Adam to be... Don't understand how deep my God is. He created Adam and Eve to look like what he would look like when he came. So don't you think that God was trying to mimic us? No, no, no. He, we were created in his image. Now you get it? You know how the Bible says we're created in, in, in his image? Yeah, because he thought about himself being human first. Okay, I'm going to be a man, blah, 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 blah. Okay, since that's what I'm going to be, when I create them, I'm going to create them like me because I need to have real relationship with something that's going to be just like me. There is no three gods. There is no Father, Son, and Holy Spirit separate. And No, just throw that stuff out. It makes no sense. God was manifest. Now, here is another angle of that scripture. God became something he wasn't. So you can become something you weren't. God became something he wasn't. So you can become something you weren't. So God is saying just like he didn't stay the same way. But he became so he can save us. Why would he leave you? That wouldn't be a, such a good God. If he had to change and become something so he can save us. Why would he leave you the way you are? He would be a hypocrite God. Yeah, I can see that. He would be a, he would be a hypocrite God if he changed up so he can be effective to reach us, but he's going to leave us just the way we are. That wouldn't be nice. That's what the kids would say. That's not nice. Well, I'm saying that the, that wouldn't be nice, Jesus. But because he's so good, because he's so wonderful, he says, I'm going to become something I'm not because I need you to become something you're not. I love the Lord. And this is why we got to understand that we can never just stay who we are. When we come before God, He wants to do something deep down within us. He's not going to let you stay who you are. He's going to make you and mold you and shape you into becoming who He created you to be. When He created you, He had a thought in mind. When you were created, He had purpose in mind for you. You weren't created with no purpose. You didn't get here by happenstance. You didn't get here by accident. He created you with purpose in mind. Remember I told you from the very beginning, you all are Joseph. And you are sent by God to preserve a people. I don't care how God is going to do it, but he's going to use every one of you to preserve a people, to preserve a nation, to preserve a family. He needs you to go ahead and do what he wants you to do. It might not look Look like it today, but I'm telling you, God has called you to go before and preserve some people. I'm done. I'm done. God will go to the extreme of circumstances to show you his goodness, to show you his compassion, to show you his love. God's goodness. We should let it lead us to repentance. Don't be fooled and operate like people of the world. What do you mean by that, preacher? 
When people show you goodness, you take advantage of them. That's what we do in the world. We get over on people when they show us goodness. When people are showing us kindness, we try to figure out how to use them. It's, it's sad. People are trying to be nice to us. They're trying to treat us right. And here we are trying to angle in our mind. Let me see. Maybe let me call so-and-so up. They'll give it to you. Let me call so-and-so up. They'll give you what you want. Because they were always nice. The Bible says, the goodness of the Lord work at repentance. And when, when you're being treated good by the Lord, it means you're supposed to go before the Lord in, 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 in a humble way, in, 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 a, in a compassionate way, in a way of kindness and, and appreciation and adoration for God. His goodness should work repentance in your life. In Genesis chapter 45, verse number 1, and I'm going to finish here. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them that stood by him, and he cried. Joseph, remember, he's supposed to be like Jesus. He cried, cause every man, he, he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the... And the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth the father yet live? When they finally got in close proximity to Joseph, they didn't know who he was. Joseph began to take off the garments that he had on. And he said, brothers, I am Joseph. Look at this. And his brethren could not answer him. When you get into the presence of God, you won't be able to say a whole lot. You see how God is showing us something? When you get in the presence of God, there's supposed to be an awe and, and an overwhelming feeling because you're like, I have, I, 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 you're speechless. Joseph Brothers was speechless. There was an awe. There was a reverence. There was, there, there was a fear that came upon him like, oh my goodness. There was nothing else to say. And God, through this, 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 this occurrence here, is trying to get us to understand some things uh, that we will experience in him. And Joseph said unto his brethren, come near me. God wants to be near to you. He wants you to come near to him. Joseph said, come near me. He wasn't standoffish. Joseph didn't have bitterness going on. <laughs> Joseph wasn't angry at them. Joseph wasn't mad at them. He says, come near me. Come on, come on, what are you doing? They were so in awe that they didn't even know what to do. They didn't know how to approach him. They didn't know anything. And he's saying, come on, just come on. We do so many Wrong things that we get in the presence of God and we can't even believe how God feel about us. You, you think God is sitting on the throne being this mean judge. You, you think God is being this God of, I'm going to discipline you and point the finger at you. And so you cannot believe it when God say, come, come, come near me. Come on, come on. Will you just come near me. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother. Whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore, be not grieved. This is the Lord showing us how he looks at us. He says, 
don't you get all worked up. Don't, don't you be upset. Nor angry with yourselves. Can you imagine that? Just stop for a moment and think about that. They sold this brother. They threw him in a pit and then sold him. And now he's telling them, come near me. Don't you be grieved and don't you be angry with yourselves. What are they supposed to be angry with themselves for? They don't want to throw in a pit. He's saying, no, 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 I don't want you to feel no kind of way. He says, don't be angry with yourselves. That you sold me hither. Look what he said. For God did send me before you to preserve life. You, you still don't believe that God is sending you forward to preserve life? You still don't believe God is sending you to preserve life? God is sending you to preserve life. Everything you feel, everything you deal with, is because he chose you to preserve life. He has sent you ahead, and it's not easy, but he said, I've sent you ahead because I'm going to use you to preserve life. This is why it's hard. It's not easy to go ahead. When you go ahead, it's lonely. When you go ahead, nobody's cheering you on. When you go ahead, you don't have a lot of support. You got to depend on the one that's leading you ahead. You don't have nobody else. All you have is Jesus. When you, Joseph, all you have is Jesus. You don't depend on nobody else. Because Jesus was the one that sent you ahead to preserve life. For these two years had the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a prosperity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. My God. So now... It was not you that sent me hither, but God. You sold me into slavery. You thought you did something. You threw me into the pit and you thought you did something. I just don't want to be used to, um, you know, do the bad thing. What do I say? Judas didn't have to be Judas. Somebody else could have been Judas. And, and, And so that's your message in that. That try your best not to be used to do all those things. Because you got work to do, man, when you do that. When, you, when you're used to do all that things. But the, but, but the brothers, they sold him. But God, that was the vehicle. Let me say it this way. That was the vehicle God was using to get Joseph to Egypt. That was the vehicle that God was using to get Joseph to preserve his family. That was the vehicle. And so he says, you didn't send me, God sent me. And he had made me a father to Pharaoh and, and a lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye and go up to my father and say unto him, thus saith thy son Joseph, God had made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me and tarry not. You know what I love about all this with Joseph? He wanted everybody to be with him. Again. A characteristics of God. Come on, everybody. I want us all to be together. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. God says, I want us all to dwell in the land. See the same thing? Dwell in Goshen. 
Then we move forward and we talk about the, the, the children of Israel dwelling in the promised land. We have that. And then now we have today, one day, we're going to be raptured out of here and be in heaven. It's always the land where God can be with us that he wants to be. You see that? He always wants to be with us. This is why he, the Holy Ghost receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is him dwelling in you. God always want to be close to you. And thou shall be near unto me. And, and, and thou, thou and thy children and thy children's children and thy flock and thy herds and all that thou hast. Verse 11, final scripture. And there will I nourish thee. God said, when you're with me, I'm going to take good care of you. For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. God is not angry with you because of the things you have done. Get out of your mind all that you think you've done that offended God. God is not angry at you. He was not angry with Joseph's brothers. So why would you think he's angry with you for the things that you've done? Get it out of your mind. God loves you. God wants you to be saved. God wants to take care of you. God wants you to be close to him. God wants to show you more about himself. Now, here's the final thing I would tell you. Stand with me. Here's the final thing I'm going to tell you about this. The brethren change came. Their deliverance came. Their change came because of this. You've heard a lot of people preach about the story of Judah, and Judah mean praise and all that stuff. For those of you that know the word, you've heard many of that. But here is the story I don't think a lot of people told about Judah. The change for Joseph brothers did not come until Judah stepped up and confessed the truth. The change didn't come until Judah had a repentive attitude. The change didn't come until Judah had compassion and total submission. Judah was the one that stepped up for his brothers. But I believe Judah communicated what they all were feeling at that time. And so here is Judah's statement to Joseph. He didn't know it was his brother. Judah said, can I talk to you, Joseph, and stepped up closer. So it's like the pack right there, and he stepped up, let me talk to you. Again, you need your one-on-one with God. You don't need to be talking to God sometimes with everybody. We have what we call corporate prayer when we all come together and pray, and that work. And then you have to have your time where it's just you and God. You got to say, I love you, Mr. Sharp here. Good brother, but I need to step up and talk to God. You'll get a couple of minutes to step up and talk to God before we leave here today. Just you and him. And so here is how Judah did it. He stepped up. And Judah says, if you just let the boy go. Pharaoh, I mean, Joseph had taken their little brother. Again, you don't know how God worked the plan. But God is working the plan. Joseph, eventually their little brother had came with them. And Joseph said, I'm going to keep your little brother. Joseph know why he's doing it. 
God knows why he do certain things. It might not seem normal or realistic to you, but God knows why he's, why he's doing it. So Joseph had his little brother, right? And he stepped up, Judah, if you would just let the boy go. Talking about the youngest brother, Benjamin. This is what Judah said. I am willing to be a prisoner of yours for the rest of my life and I will serve you. That's what Judah said to Joseph, not knowing it was his brother. Because God is trying to get us to a point that we don't want to get to. And the point was, can you see your wrong? And understand that you need Jesus. And he said to him that I will serve you for the rest of my life. If you will let the boy go. Now you got to realize what got them into this mess to begin with. They didn't have reverence for another person's life. They, they, they treated somebody else's life like it was nothing. So, their brother, treat, no, no big deal. And that's what they did. And so now, here come Judah saying, representing the brothers. Let me talk to you. We messed up. Remember we told you about, it was 12 of us. The youngest, Benjamin, was home. We never told you about the other one. They always never talked about Joseph. He didn't tell him. But he stepped up that day because his heart now had changed. And he told the truth. He confessed. Then he said, I'll go even further than that. I'm not just even confessing because we can say things when we get caught. You get caught and you say, you will confess when you get caught because what are you going to do? You're a crazy person if you get caught you're still lying, but that's another story. But you get caught. It's easy to confess when you get caught. But this just wasn't any kind of confession. He says, not only did I told you the truth, but I will be your prisoner for the rest of my life. He was ready now to say, his life for my life. But when he first did it, Joseph's life meant nothing to them. That move, Joseph, just like it moved Christ. When we are ready to give and exchange our life for someone else's life. Understand being Joseph, you're going to have to live a life so sacrificial that you got to be at a point where you're ready to say, if I got to go ahead and sacrifice for everybody else to be okay, then that's what I'm going to do. That's the place where God is trying to get us to. That's the place that brought about change in the life of those brothers. It wasn't until they come, came to the place of truly seeing their wrong and dealing with it before the Lord. If we don't come to the place of seeing our wrong and deal with it before the Lord, we can never be free from it. And for all that we've done, there is nothing that God can't forgive you of. God loves you. God wants to be close to you. God wants you to know him. God wants you to experience his goodness. He wants to care for you. But remember, he cannot forgive you if you don't confess it. That's the key. He cannot 
forgive you. He cannot set you free. And sometimes thoughts are what have us bound. And we can't be free because those thoughts, why? Because we never went before God and was honest to him about it. We need to know that God have an attitude towards us, but it's a good one. It's the one of love. It's, it's, it's one of compassion. It's one of togetherness. It's one of he wants to take care of you. But we have to be bold enough and courageous enough to go before the Lord and begin to, to confess it to him and, 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 and release ourselves to him that he can forgive us. There's a change that will come into your life. There's a freedom that will come into your life. I don't care what it is. I don't think you threw anybody in a pit and left them for dead and then changed your mind and says, you know what, better yet, let me sell you to slavery. I don't think you did that. So whatever it is that you did, whatever it is that you can look at and say, oh my goodness, I messed up, it had you bound. And today God has called you to the place so he can set you free. This don't happen all the time. God is not always ready and available when you are ready and available. When God is ready and available, that's when he is. And that's when we are supposed to respond. We can't worry about, well, God, this week, uh, maybe next week. You don't know what God's going to do next Sunday. You don't know what God is going to do tomorrow. But you have an opportunity now to go before the Lord. How about we take a few minutes and just go before the Lord before we leave out of here. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, you are so gracious. You're so loving and so kind. And Lord, we have sinned. We will not try to withhold any ungodliness, any unrighteousness that we've done. Because Lord, you see everything. And because you see everything, we confess to you today our sins. We confess to you today our wrongs. We confess to you today, Lord God, what we have done that is not pleasing before you. God, we're asking, just like you were merciful to Joseph brothers, that you will be merciful to every one of us in this room this morning. For all that we've done, Lord God, we're asking for your mercy. For all that we've done, we're asking, Lord God, for compassion from you, Lord God. And Lord, we're not withholding anything. The deep things that we've done over the years, Lord. I have searched my heart, Lord God, and I started remembering things that I did, Lord God, that was so wrong. But God, you never forsake me. You gave me the opportunity and you gave me the privilege to come before you, Lord God, and confess them. And Lord, I confess I've done wrong. I've sinned and come short of your glory. But Lord, this day I ask for your mercy. This day I ask for freedom. I ask to be liberated, Lord God. I ask to be set free, Lord God, from all that I've done wrong. Because Lord, I want to walk in total freedom. I want to walk in total liberty, Lord God. Not being bound, not being strong-armed by my wrong that I've done, Lord God. But being totally free. Because you love me and you want me free. 
Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for the freedom of the people of God that are standing here before you, that are kneeling before you. I pray for total freedom. I pray for liberation for each and every one of them, Lord God. That, Lord, they will never be the same. That they can be free from their circumstance. That they can be free from their situation. That, Lord God, you will heal them and make them whole again, Lord God. That, Lord God, they will know that in spite of the thoughts, Lord God, that the adversary tries to bring back, they are free. Free indeed. For who the Son has set free are truly free indeed. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ today for total freedom, for total liberation. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Today, Lord God, set her free. Set her mind free. Set her heart free, Lord God. That no longer would anything, Lord God, hinder her, Lord God. Nothing, Lord God, will bind her from this moment on but that she will be free that she will be liberated that she will walk in the power of your might Lord God I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that she will be free free indeed free indeed free indeed free indeed in the name of Jesus Father touch Andrew today Lord I pray by the power of God that Lord God all Lord Jesus the thoughts and all the actions of wrong, Lord God, will be free from him today. I pray, pray and plead the blood of Jesus over your life. I pray that your mind will be clear. I pray that your heart will be pure. I pray that God will lead you in the path of righteousness. I pray that you'll experience total liberation. Ah, in the name of Jesus. 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 In the name of Jesus, Father, touch her today, Lord. I pray that by faith, Lord God, she will be liberated. By faith, Almighty God, she will walk in complete and utter freedom, Lord God, that nothing will bind her. Come on, there's things troubling your mind. There's things troubling your mind. But God want me to pray the prayers of faith. Father, I bind every thought. I bind every thought, Lord God, that is a distraction, that is troublesome to her. I bind those thoughts and I cast them in outer darkness in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord God, that you will create nerve. Oh God, a mind. Oh God, that is transformed. A mind that, oh God, is renewed. Oh God, I pray that you will truly, Lord God, set her free by the power, oh God, of the Holy Ghost and by the authority of the Word of God. Be free in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh God. Now, God wants you to trust Him. He said, I have spoken to you. You heard my word today. This man didn't, need, didn't know you. And I caused him to speak to you. I caused him to confirm his word to you. Now, go forth. Now, trust me. Now, I will show you. If you will not concern yourself anymore with everything else. But you will place your focus on me and come after me. I will be the one who will lead you. I've called you to be Joseph. I've called you to go forth and to preserve life, to be a savior to people that I've chosen. Now go before me and do my will. 
For I, your God, has spoken it. I, your God, has established it. And I, your God, will see to it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, that his mind will be free. That his heart will be pure. And he will go in total liberty. He will go in the power of your might. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Father, touch your daughter. Keep on working your work in her life, Lord God. I pray, God, that you will lead her in the path that you want her to take, Lord God. I pray that the power of God will continue to rule and reign in your life. God is not through with you. God has much more for you to do. 